You're listening to Tyler Talks to Strangers, a podcast where I attempt to better understand the world around me by understanding those who inhabit it with me. Everyone has a story, but I just have so many questions. So, if you had to describe your life story in about two to three minutes or less, name if you want to tell me your name, where you're from, and then maybe like the three to five significant bullet points of your life and how you got to talking to a Zoom stranger on an interview today, how would you do it, sir? Uh, Okay, so my name's Chris. Um, I live in London currently. Um, and my life story is that, uh, so I am English, obviously, but I was born and raised in Brussels in Belgium. Um, my parents moved there, uh, you know, when they were in their twenties or thirties, uh, to take like jobs in the EU, you know, like my mom works for the European commission or did she's retired now. Um, so they moved to Brussels. I was born and raised there. Um, I went to a Belgian school, uh, lived there until I was 20 years old. Uh, then I moved to the UK to go to university um, and studied film and TV production in Greenwich in London. Uh, and now I'm here and I currently work uh, for Sky TV, which is the main sort of uh, broadcasting company. Well, I say main. Sure. <laughs> it's one of the main broadcasting companies in the UK. Um, and uh, yeah, and then you spoke to me on Reddit and asked me if I'd like to do an interview. And here we are. And here we are. There you go. Sky <laughs> T- is like, so it's like BBC, Sky TV, like those are all like major. Yeah. Kind of uh, I mean, you know, like in the US, I guess you have sort of your, your like five major kind of right. networks that, yeah. So it, uh, BBC was kind of the the start of it. Mm-hmm. They were the first channels. They're the like, um, they're the ones that you don't, they don't have advertising because right. you pay a license to have a TV and that license goes to the BBC because it's all this like arcane system. It was literally, you know, when TV was invented, they're like, how the hell do we do TV? You know, how <laughs> do we format this? How do people pay for it? How does it work? Right. So that's kind of like, kind of in its own special category and then you have ITV and Channel 4 and those are kind of the main original channels and then Sky is like the kind of newer digital you know they uh do all like the satellite TV and they okay. kind of own all of that um technology and they supply the the boxes to people's homes for you know okay Very yeah cool. I don't know what the exact equivalent would be in the US I guess right you don't really have one company that sort of supplies all the satellite tv yeah i feel like everyone's trying to get rid of cable these days everyone's just going to netflix and everything so (laughs) i don't even know i don't have a tv personally but um very interesting okay and then um if you could extrapolate out maybe the next five to ten years is there anything on the horizon or ways you see your story going then i guess anything on that um i mean i'm happy in the job that i am at the moment i'm happy Mm -hmm. working uh for sky as a company because uh you know, it's a relatively good company to work for. Mm-hmm. Um, other than that, I do sort of, um, I do sound recording and uh, sound editing on the side. Wow. Um, because I did film and TV production at university. Right. I have a lot of friends that are kind of aspiring filmmakers and things. I've uh, done a fair bit of um, on-set sound recording. Um, but I feel like, like you were telling me about this podcast, you know, it's not something that I've managed to really sort of get paid for yet. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> but, it's there and uh well i have just recently done something that i am getting paid for but Mm -hmm. very small amounts okay you know that may develop uh may kind of go into more editing or sound editing or something like that but yeah at the moment no specific plans okay very cool yeah i feel like you never really know where a skill set's going to take you. So it's good to just pick up things. And then if it turns mm-hmm. into, you know, a side hustle or you make money off of it, or it's just a hobby. I mean, it's just kind of nice yeah. to, to have that, I, I guess. I think kind of what I discovered is I spent a while trying to kind of get into the film industry. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And at some point I basically decided to stop trying to get into the film industry and just treat it as a hobby. Okay. And so now it's just a hobby that I do with my friends. Right. And if someone's willing to pay me a bit of money to do something that I enjoy doing, then that's fine. Right. But I'm not kind of putting any expectations on it. You know yeah. what I mean? And so for me, it's just about doing as many kind of creative things as possible. You know, I, I try and do some photography and some video editing and some, like I said, sound recording and sound mixing. And, you know, it's just nice to have creative skills. Yeah. You know, to kind of come back to but not with the expectation of it being a career at the moment <laughs> right no that makes sense very cool um so you kind of peruse some of the deep questions today for the interview so we'll ask some of those and then a couple fun ones to finish and then we'll kind of wrap up today so the first one is going to be have you ever questioned the nature of your reality <laughs> what uh, yeah. that means to you well, I mean, that's a question that I'm just very interested in generally. I'm the kind of person that is really fascinated by questions about reality and, you know, uh, and about perception and how we perceive reality and how, you know, the reality that we perceive is not necessarily the reality that objectively exists. And, right. you know, um, so I'm very, I've always been very interested in kind of dreams and anything like that and I love uh, films and stories that explore dreams and that can kind of um, I always love a, a film that can accurately convey what it feels like to be in a dream you know mm. that strange dream logic where it makes emotional sense you understand what is happening but it makes no logical sense right I'm always really interested in that. And when people get that right, and then when some filmmakers try it, but don't get it right. And right. what it is that they're tapping into there. So you're from the UK, you're in the film industry and you love dreams and reality and philosophy. My favorite director is Christopher Nolan and he's done Inception, <laughs> Interstellar, all these things. You must yes. know that movie, yes. right? Um, yeah. I, I would also say I'm a big Christopher Nolan fan. Right. Um, but interesting kind of side note on that is that I, when I first saw the film Inception, I was quite disappointed by it ah. um, because I was expecting it to be a film about dreams. Okay. And it's not a film about dreams. It's, it's right. a film about a science fiction futuristic heist happening. Right. It happens to kind of take place in dreams. Sure. But the focus of it is sort of on the heist story. Mm. Whereas I was expecting something a bit more kind of like non-linear sort of. Mm. You know I mean? So now I really like Inception. It's a really good film. You know, it's sure. just the first time I saw it, I was disappointed because I had a completely different perception of what it was going to be. Okay. That's, yeah, that's a good point. Like the way you go into a movie can often dictate the ending or how, how it feels in the moment for you. What, okay. what mo movie do you think has done a good job of, matching your perception of what a dream state would be like or explaining that in some interesting way any movies that come to mind um so this kind of leads into what i wanted to talk about as well uh one of the films that really made a big impression on me kind of growing up you know especially as a teenager was fear and loathing in las vegas mm. um if you've ever seen that mm -hmm. uh terry gilliam former member of monty python he did all like the animations for monty python okay uh, and he you know, he's an American uh, and he then kind of after Monty Python went to Hollywood and made a bunch of films, uh, most of which are like terrible flops financially right? because <laughs> um, he doesn't really have mass appeal. But yeah, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas is basically okay. just a film about a drug trip in Las Vegas. And it's just kind of one different drug after another. Right. And the way those drugs affect the main characters and how they perceive being in Las Vegas um it gets really like disturbing and weird in certain okay. scenes um it's definitely not a film that like glorifies drug use but it's mm -hmm. just very honest about like these are some of the crazy things that can happen uh you know doing this kind of thing um but yeah so that one i think really does it there's okay. an episode of buffy the vampire slayer which um is a show that uh you know I, I love, even though it has terrible episodes. Right. Um, but there's one episode in particular, which is uh, the whole episode takes place in the main character's dreams. 
Okay. And it's basically this, uh, this entity is kind of stalking them through their dreams. And so each kind of section of the episode, you're just seeing a character dreaming and kind of having their normal dream. And then that dream gets interrupted by something weird happening. Um, but it's all just kind of classic stuff. Like, you know, you're in a school play and you haven't prepared for it. You don't know any of your lines. Right. Sort of but it's all just portrayed really well. Uh, okay. And this is kind of the point that I'm getting at is I love watching these things because I love trying to put my finger on what exactly it is that it's doing. Mm-hmm. And I still don't know. I couldn't tell you, but that episode is a really good example for me. Um, and so related to that, you know, as someone who is very interested in dreams and reality and perception, I'm also someone who's very interested in uh, psychedelic drug experiences and, mm-hmm. you know, all kind of uh, altering their perception of reality. And, um, there are, you know, I'm not going to say anything incriminating here, but sure, <laughs> um, absolutely, there, yeah. are, there are certain psychedelic drugs that have been legal in certain times and places where I've existed. Right. So I have tried uh, something called salvia divinorum, okay. which is, uh, it's related to sage. I think the name means like the diviner sage. So it's kind of associated with ancient uh you know diviners and fortune tellers and seers and you know so it's the kind of drug that you would associate with uh, like a, a truth sayer mm. roman times you know taking this drug and then having crazy visions and then telling you about the future so it's that kind of experience right right um how long does it last uh well that's the interesting thing is it's it's an incredibly intense trip Right, but it lasts about fifteen minutes. Wow! So you're like crazy. in and out. Yeah, and in fact, you can, you can find videos on YouTube of. Uh, I remember there was a video I saw uh, of a guy. The title of the video is like driving on salvia. Wow! And okay. so it's a guy at the wheel of a car, and he's like, "This is how you drive on salvia." And he's going, "Okay, you check the mirror, you do this, you do that, then you smoke your salvia." And he smokes the salvia, and then he just laughs to himself for about five minutes, <laughs> and then he turns back to the camera and goes. Okay, and then you drive. <laughs> and then you drive. Because, yeah, that's yeah. it. Like, you just go into this trip for sort of 5, 10, 15 minutes, and then you come out of it, and you're just back to reality. Right. Yeah. Um, and so that is the answer to the question for me. Right. Um, have you ever questioned the nature of your reality? Um, there was a time that I took some salvia, and I essentially had the experience of the universe ending around me. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically, there was myself and two other people in the room. And the way I describe it is that um, what I experienced was basically coming to the realization that the entire universe and everything and everyone in it was a dream that the three of us in that room had made up. Mm. Like a game that we were playing together. And so we were three eternal beings that were the only things in existence. Right. And because I had realized that, I could then never go back to it because I had like broken the illusion for myself. Mm. Um, And then on top of that, because everything was an illusion, including our personalities that we had had previous to that moment, not only was I stuck in a small room for all eternity with these two people, but they were also strangers to me. Mm. So this is all, you yeah. know, this is all just the experience that I had in that moment. Sure. And then, you know, like I say, about 10 minutes later, I kind of came out of it. And I think the first thing I did um, was I just stood up out of my chair and I just kind of power walked the door of the room, opened the door, and just kind of looked down the corridor and kind of reassured myself, oh yeah, no, the corridor's there. Everything's still there. Right. It was just the trip. <laughs> um, but yeah, that in that moment, you know, right. uh, whether or not it was uh, physically true, mm-hmm. in that moment, what I experienced was like the end of life and the universe and everything. Like just me... Right. And two other people in this kind of eternal void with nothing forever. <laughs> and it was terrifying. Wow. That yeah. is, yeah. I know there's been a lot of research or 
some research at least with giving um, psychedelics to like terminally terminally ill cancer patients that are like having a lot of fear and anxiety about passing over or dying and and yeah. just kind of the maybe the benefits of that having them almost have that death experience like you described before actually dying and why that might be useful or I don't know well, I think it's really interesting yeah it's um I mean the the term that people use is um ego death okay right that's the sort of the goal I suppose yeah. of you know if you're someone who is seeking out psychedelic experiences right of the ultimate goal for that is to experience ego death and to basically you know the the part of you that is you Mm -hmm. disappears for a while and you just kind of experience existence free right. of free of ego you know just being one with with the universe kind of thing um you know the same thing that that people would seek to achieve through meditation or anything like that you know it's the same kind of feeling right and i would also say that i think what you're talking about a lot of that is focused on magic mushrooms um sure. style of heaven. Uh, which I have also experienced. And mm -hmm. uh, yeah, the first time I took magic mushrooms, soon after, like literally the day after, as I was kind of going back through, you know, after any experience, you want to take some time and, and kind of think about like, oh, so what did I get from that? What does it mean mm -hmm. to me? Mm -hmm. And I just remember the day after taking mushrooms for the first time, genuinely having the thought, oh, you know what? I'm going to die one day and I'm kind of okay with that. Mm. Like, I can't explain it, and it is a common thing that a lot of people report about mushrooms specifically, is that somehow it just turns a switch in your brain that sort of makes you more okay with mortality. Um, there's something very spiritual about it. Right. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that is gnarly. Um, <laughs> Yeah, there's always been something that I read a book, uh, How to Change Your Brain by Michael Pollan. He's a very good mm. author. He's wrote Omnivore's Dilemma and a couple other books. And um, he was talking about, yeah, kind of the, you were saying the science behind what's happening and the de default yeah. mode network going offline and that kind of thing. So I think it's all fascinating, you know, to think about. And uh, one day I'll like to have that experience. I think, I think it would be interesting if it was almost the reverse, like everyone just by the nature of reality they lived in that state and then you took drugs to become what we are now like what we think of as like our daily if everything was just flipped on its head that'd be really interesting to me you know like if everyone was yeah. always tripping and then you took drugs to like <laughs> go sober i don't know that would be a weird i mean the 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 one problem with that is the you know the thing about ego death is that if you go far enough with it, you basically are unable to function <laughs> because mm, yeah. you, know, you get to a point where you're like, well, where, where do I draw the line between the molecules of my arm and the molecules of the air? And then, well, you know, if you're just a soup of molecules, <laughs> right. You can't actually do anything productive. <laughs> right, 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 right. So, that's, you know, it's a nice state to be in, but it's not something that you can exist in all the time. All the time. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> um, well, I guess along that line of maybe using psilocybin or other drugs as mm. a form of healing, I know a lot of people do that. Question yeah. number two for you is what are you oh, currently yeah. healing from? <laughs> well, what I'm currently healing from is the end of a 10 year relationship. Mm. yeah uh, years. okay to be fair it's it's been a while now um right we officially broke up in january okay and then i, I moved out um and started living on my own in april um but you know there was a good at least six months there of just kind of dealing with it and right. adjusting to new life and um also just the fact that i'm living alone for the first time ever Mm -hmm, you know, I'm mm -hmm. in my mid-30s now and I've, I, you know, I've lived with parents, I've lived in student accommodation, I've lived in shared houses with housemates, um, but this is the first time I'm in, you know, a flat or I guess an apartment. <laughs> um, right, right. By myself. Um, so it's, it's nice, but also, you know, can get lonely sometimes. Yeah, do you think it accelerates or delays the the healing process from a relationship maybe if you were alone after or with friends do you think being alone allows you to process it faster because you have to because you're alone or do you think being with other people might 
accelerate the, the process if that makes any sense do you have a, any idea what you imagine it would be like if it was different i mean i think you definitely need other people around mm -hmm. i've definitely needed like i mean I, i'm i think you you mentioned before that you're an introvert and i right. am also an introvert um in the sense of you know people think being an introvert means that you don't like to be around other people but really being an introvert just means that uh you know the best way i saw it was it's how you recharge yeah do you recharge by being around other people or do you recharge by being alone so i definitely recharge by being alone okay you know I, I was an only child i spent a lot of time by myself when i was younger i like being alone um but you also need other people to help you heal you definitely need right. to have that drive to move forward and to, to actually do things and not spend all day every day when you're not at work just kind of sitting on the couch feeling sorry for yourself yeah yeah you have to do something um so i was kind of forcing myself at first to do things with friends and have people over and meet up with people but now i'm kind of at the point where i'm genuinely just wanting to meet up with people and you know starting to kind of mm -hmm small gatherings here and invite more and more people over and actually do things and look forward to them rather than just sort of forcing myself to to be around people yes you know? yeah, yeah yeah and were you and your was she um that was your girlfriend or was that a wife uh it was a girlfriend yeah girlfriend okay did you work together or how like intertwined were your lives is it easy to like distance yourself from her now or do you still see her since january well, so we met at university. Yeah. Um, so in terms of work, actually, it's it's kind of been easier for me because uh, I mean, London is a big place. Right. It takes a long time to get from one side of London to the other. So I was living in Greenwich, which is, you know, about as far east as you can. Uh, hang on, I have to think in my head now. Yeah, yeah, as far east as you can get. I had to picture the map in my head. Right, <laughs> um, right, right. Yeah, so that's about as far east as you can get in London. And then my job is about as far west as you can get in London. Um, so it used to be kind of hell to commute back and forth. Um, and now obviously, you know, because we've broken up, it was an opportunity for me to just move closer to work. So in that sense, it was a fairly clean break. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, I mean, we have a lot of friends in common and, you know, I would say before we got together, she was one of my best friends at university. Right. Um, and neither of us wanted to lose that. So we have been keeping in touch and we have been staying friends. In fact, we have a D&D &D game that we're both part of. Okay. That we're still part of now. Um, so yeah, I still see her. And uh, for a while that was difficult and painful, like I said, but uh, I'm, I feel like I've healed enough now that it's okay. You know, and right. I'm, not, I'm not feeling perfect about it, but... Uh, okay it's fine we're on good terms good yeah i feel like whatever perfect is that would be it's a tough standard to meet right How, am i doing perfectly after this relationship i feel like after 10 years there's always going to be some part of you that's maybe not fully settled i guess but as good as you can be under the circumstances i think that's what matters i guess yeah um yeah so we're going to continue on. I'm just getting a notification that our Zoom meeting, because I don't have the pro version, is going to end in three minutes. So right. I'm going to the, pause the recording and then up and then um, get back into the chat and we'll have another 40 minutes. So we'll okay. take like a, a five minute intermission and uh, I'll bring you right back on in a second. Sorry about that, Chris. Oh, no worries. All right. So I'll bring you back on. I'm just going to save this recording and then... Uh, I'll bring you on after that. And then question three is going to be, we're back from a, a short interim. Sorry about that audience. Uh, question three is going to be- I want to call myself a cup of tea. That's right. He's proper what English bloke. He yeah. had to have tea time. So I wanted to let him get, get to it. Um, let's see. Number three is going to be, what did you like most about single life right now? Um, yeah. Uh... <laughs> I guess just having time to myself to do my own thing. Um, honestly, it's more it's more what I like about uh, living alone mm -hmm. so much as what I love about single life, if that makes sense. Because I don't right. know. 
I don't know how sort of common it is. I'm, I'm not even sure where you are in the US, by the way, because I, I don't want to say general things about the US because I know obviously it depends very much what state you're in. And, you know, it's not like the whole US is one. You could smack talk all of the US right now. Oh. <laughs> There's no offense taken. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> I just, all I meant was, I don't know how common it is where you are in the US in general for like, five or six people to all live in a house together, you know, as a house share situation where each person sort of pays one share of the rent. And, right. Because that's a fairly common situation over here, especially when you're a student and kind of in the years following being a student. Um, so I've spent a lot of time living in house share situations where, mm -hmm. you know, I'm in a sort of small townhouse with uh, four or five other people or, you know, however many. Um, and it, it just... It doesn't matter who they are. It doesn't matter how well you get on with them. It doesn't matter how good of friends you are before you move in. It's always the same shit. Yeah. <laughs> Am I allowed to be on this podcast? Yeah, you are. Yeah, you are. Okay. <laughs> but it's always the same shit. You know, it's right. always the the washing up and taking the bins out and all this kind of and all these just little petty things that would yeah. come up over and over and over again. And it, it's just so liberating to not have to deal with that anymore. Nice. To know if there's a pile of plates, they're all my plates, and right. I just wash them up when I'm ready to wash them up. Right. I don't right. have to wash up anyone else's stuff. I don't have to nag anyone to wash their stuff. I don't have to deal with other people nagging me to wash my stuff because they mm -hmm. need a fork and there's no clean forks. And, you know, just all of that. Uh, it's, it's nice to get away from it. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, I think it's nice knowing if you put, you know, a pen down somewhere, it's going to be there tomorrow. Yeah. No one's going to move yeah. that pen and you're not going to look for it for 10 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I, I'll tell you the one that always came up in our house, like I say, it was the washing up. Yeah. And it's, it's the fact that I'm sure, I mean, I don't know if you've had this, but I'm sure people listening to this, but, you know, this is a common experience that millions of billions of people have had throughout all of human history. Right. But it's that thing where uh, if there's like three plates uh, and then someone has one plate that's dirty and they just kind of put it on top of that pile of three and they go, oh, well, someone else hasn't washed the dishes, so I'm just going to add this to the pile. Yeah. And then someone gets pissed off and they say, someone needs to wash the dishes. And then someone else goes, well, I'm going to wash my dishes, but I'm not washing any of that stuff because that's not mine. Right. But it's got to be someone's, you know what I mean? So exactly. like everyone, everyone at some point puts one plate down mm -hmm. and then they forget that that's their plate. And now there's a pile of 10 plates. Right. Nobody is willing to take responsibility for those 10 plates. And so then someone in the house has to be the one that goes, fuck it, fine, I'll do it. Right, right. And that often ended up being me. And I just got more and more sick of it. It's like in school in like a group project situation, like say there's four people. One yeah. person is going to do 90% of the work because they're going to get so fed up. One person is going to free ride the whole entire project and then two are like going to be half in, half out, you know, but yeah, yeah, there's always that one like type A person that just does, that submits the project and does the whole thing. <laughs> and the thing is as well, I think I, I often thought about, you know, if, uh, if me and my, my partner at the time, if we had moved out and gone to live somewhere, just the two of us, mm -hmm. I think it could have been different because... I don't mind just setting up rules. You know, some people just don't like doing washing up. Right. I actually quite enjoy doing washing up mm -hmm. as long as I feel like I'm not the only one doing it. You know what I mean? But yeah. Um, or, or, or sorry to correct that. As long as I feel like people aren't just relying on me to do it. Mm. The main thing yeah. is like they're not asking and just kind of, oh, well, you know, someone will take care of it. Um, but if it was just me and, and my partner living alone, I feel like, it would be perfectly reasonable for us to have a conversation where she goes, okay, I hate doing the washing up. So how about you do the washing up and I do more of the cooking or, mm -hmm. you know, you take the bins out every week and I'll feed the cat or, you know, like you can divide things up more fairly then. Right. Right. But when it's a house full of people and you're not directly in a relationship with those people, you know, you just have to like, guys, can you please wash up your stuff when you're finished with yeah. it? Because I've got guests coming around this weekend. <laughs> exactly. <You know? laughs> so. A lot of begging and pleading. Yeah. Yeah. That is so, very true. 
that is um, weird. Yeah. And and that's it. Like it's just like I say, experiencing being alone for the first time and just mm. being able to do things completely on my terms. Mm-hmm. And you know, if if the house is dirty then that's fine it's dirty and i know that i have to clean it up right but i don't feel like anyone is gonna give me shit for not having cleaned up yeah i don't have to give anyone else shit for them not cleaning up you know yeah it 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 compiles it's like i know i'm dirty and i don't have somebody telling me i'm dirty on top of me being dirty i just know i'm dirty and i need to take care of it yeah exactly because i'm i'm not someone who compulsively cleans either you know i'm very happy to live my life in a state of like things get dirtier and dirtier and dirtier and mm-hmm. then it's really clean nice and then, and and then it's really nice. clean you know kind of on a on a week by week basis i'm very much a clean as i go every time i have a meal i wash that dish and i put it in the drying rack and that's just how i operate so i, <laughs> I try to prevent I, that build up yeah this is why you and i shouldn't live together cause... exactly it would yeah. be a bad time that'd be a very bad time <laughs> i'm glad we're four thousand miles away right now to be honest yeah something like that i'm in california by the way yeah so. uh, okay um I've, uh, I've been to california a couple of times oh nice yeah i've been all over san diego la and now i'm up in nor norcal very northern california so okay um cool and then question four a uh, very different type of question is going to be do you believe that humans will spread out amongst the stars or just be a brief blip in earth's history like every other species um yeah so this is also a subject that very much interest me you know mm-hmm. as someone who's interested in dreams and reality you can imagine i'm also someone who's interested with just kind of the insane vastness of the universe and what that means for us right. as people and as a species and uh yeah i don't know i mean my answer to that question is uh i really hope so mm-hmm. i really hope that humans could spread out amongst the stars um you know whether or not i think it's going to happen kind of varies uh put a percentage on it 100 percent is we will definitely do it zero percent no chance where do you stand i feel like i'm sort of in the 75 percent range of ah. like it probably will happen yeah uh, even if even if like the worst happens and you know apocalypse on earth and the human race gets set back a thousand years or right. like worst case scenario I'm not the kind of person that thinks that that would be the end. You know what I mean? Mm. Like that would be a tragic thing to happen. Yeah. But there's enough humans on the planet and I feel like life is resilient enough that I could always imagine some humans surviving and then eventually being able to rebuild. So I'm just kind of saying like, even in the worst case scenario, Mm -hmm. I feel like there is still always some potential to kind of rebuild and to, you know, get back to a a level where humans can then go and explore. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm I'm a big fan of Star Trek and things like that, and I I do love the idea of sort of peaceful exploration and meeting aliens and you know mm-hmm. seeing what's out there. Um, they're probably not all going to just look like people with strange makeup on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> Have you, one of my favorite movies in that genre, I guess, is Arrival. Have you ever seen Arrival? Yes. I yes. think it's just like, really like the way they depict the alien, I think is very, or aliens or that species, I think is very great. Because it's not just your stereotypical green man with a giant head or something, you know. Yeah. So the way they relate to time is completely different than that. I just think that's a really well done movie in terms of like yeah. alien human contact. Yeah. Yeah, I I always I also quite like the the films where um, the the sort of alien contact has like unintended consequences where you know mm. not necessarily your kind of war of the worlds like evil aliens are here to destroy us but just right. the idea that simply by coming in contact with something it could have huge consequences for us you know right. just by us interacting with that thing um, and there's a really good film in that vein uh called uh annihilation seen it if you've seen one yeah came out a little while ago with um natalie natalie portman yeah i think it was natalie Um, portman and oscar isaac yeah that's right he's brilliant yeah and that that's really kind of like 
this thing is so alien, so yeah. bizarre, so strange that simply by being here, mm -hmm. simply by existing in our kind of biome, it has all these unintended effects and, you know, right. it kind of rips apart everything that it comes in contact with, you know, not because it wants to, just because right. that, that's how it interacts with matter around it. Sure. You know? Yeah. yeah. I, I love those kind of stories and just, just trying to get my human brain around the like infinite strangeness that is possible. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's a, I heard that's based on a book, Annihilation, yeah. or maybe a three-part book. So I kind of want to dive into that a little bit more because, I mean, the movie was really well done. It was just, it threw me for a loop for sure. The first time I saw it, I probably would need to watch it again. But um, mm -hmm. yeah, it was beautiful kind of and weird at the same yeah. time. And, and that's kind of what's good because that ties back into what I was saying earlier about about like a film that, that achieves yeah. that being in a dream. I right. think that film does the same kind of thing where mm -hmm. you don't understand logically what's happening yeah because you're not supposed to understand it logically because the whole point is that the human mind cannot understand what is happening right um, but on a kind of emotional visceral level you understand you know like you you see the effect that this thing is having on the people around it right so yeah it makes sense but it doesn't make logical sense sure interesting yeah that's those are we have very similar tastes i think in movies which is cool um <laughs> speaking of movies question number five is going to be what popular movie do you think was total garbage <laughs> um probably most superhero movies oh my gosh yes i'm so out of the marvel world like can we stop yeah. with nine iron man movies like what the hell the thing is there's a lot of marvel movies that i will still watch yeah because it you know it's like the cinematic equivalent of a cheeseburger yeah right like exactly. if my friends are going out for cheeseburgers or specifically let's say like a mcdonald's cheeseburger because right. they're very good cheeseburgers sure but you know if my friends are going out to mcdonald's i will go with them to mcdonald's and i will eat a cheeseburger because it's fine mm -hmm. <laughs> but i would never seek it out i would never get excited like I'm going to have a McDonald's cheeseburger tonight. Right, you know? right. Um, so, yeah, there's Marvel movies that I will watch because they are fine. All right. After the uh, internet connection cut out, you were talking about cheeseburgers, Marvel, garbage movies. You can keep going yeah. on that thread. <laughs> yeah, so I'm basically just saying that, that for me, most Marvel movies are, like, fine, visually entertaining. I'll kind of put them on in the background. I'll watch them with friends. Um, but I don't feel like going back to any of them really afterwards. None of them particularly stick with me. I don't really remember who was in which and mm -hmm. what happened there. And yeah, and I just find it all pretty bland and repetitive. And right. uh, yeah, and I mean, I'm only really interested in, you know, you, if you have like a Doctor Strange or something where there's, there's some real kind of visuals going on, like yeah. that's interesting. Um, but then something like a Black Widow where, I mean, I haven't watched that film, but from what I've seen, it just mm -hmm. kind of like people in black suits running around gray cities, punching each other. And I'm like, I've seen that. I'm right. done with it. I'm done with it. <laughs> yeah, I know uh, most people that saw the last Doctor Strange, I guess didn't like it, is what I heard. I haven't seen it, but yeah. Um, well, see, that's I, kind of where I like, I'm sort of on the opposite end of it. Right. Then, where, yeah. Where people are saying, oh my God, this new Doctor Strange is complete garbage. And I'm looking at it going, it's just the same as all the other ones. What, yeah. what are you seeing that I'm not seeing? <laughs> yeah, you know? Interesting. Yeah. I think the last Marvel I saw was Black Panther. So it's been three or four I, years. I but still haven't seen that one. Yeah. Just because that was a little different. But uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, in general, not a huge fan. I think they've gone too far. But it's such a cash cow at this point. It's like, you yeah. can't blame them, right? So um, that's what it is. Yeah. I think the, the one that, that really did it for me as well was not a Marvel movie, but um, uh, was it Kingsman? The first Kingsman. Okay. I yeah. For that, but people raved about that film, and like, I just found it kind of gross. Mm. It's difficult to explain, but there was something that I felt was like morally off about it. Okay, right. Um, where I just kind of felt like I hated all of the characters. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it just. I do remember seeing it and I don't remember liking it or wanting to see it again. So, yeah. It, 
it just, it was a little too, like, it reveled in the violence a little too mm. much, you know what yeah. I mean? Where it felt like the people who made that film just like seeing people get hurt. Right. Like, I love a good fight scene as much as the next person, but, but I don't know, there was, it was something about the tone of it. Yeah. You know, it was a little bit too gleeful, a little bit too like, whoa, cool, look, he punched his head into his body and like, right just I, can't, in my I can't get on with quentin tarantino either maybe for that same reason i don't know everyone like idolizes the guy but i've never liked I, a tarantino movie to be honest i have to say i do love tarantino okay uh, i i respect your opinion i'm not going to tell you you're wrong yeah. for not liking it but uh for me the the violence in a tarantino film does hit differently although okay. i um i watched uh once upon a time in hollywood right and that's a film where I love all of the, you know, the the first like two hours of that film right. is just people in old Hollywood mm-hmm. just making movies, hanging out, having cool conversations. And I love all of that stuff. That's great. Right. And then it kind of feels like it got to the last 15 minutes of the movie and Tarantino just went, oh shit, yeah, I'm making a Tarantino movie. I need to have gratuitous violence in here. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it just it comes out of nowhere. Yeah, and it's really unnecessary. So in that film, I was kind of like, I don't need this. Yeah, that's but true. Generally, generally, the way he treats violence, uh, I don't know. It's, it's different. It yeah, I feel like he doesn't he doesn't expect you to like the characters, mm-hmm. and I think that's the big difference. It's like these are horrible, violent people doing horrible, violent things. Um. And, and, you know, they are presented as horrible, violent people. Whereas I feel like in Kingsman, the characters in that were kind of presented as aspirational. Mm. Like he's this working class kid and he's kind of becoming something better by right. being a violent, murderous thug. Sure, sure. You know sure. what I mean? And I just, I really didn't like that kind of messaging of it. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, it is like, there's gradations of it. Yeah. Um, and then last, another, I guess, movie-related question. Last question is going to be, what is a non-English movie that you think everyone should watch? Okay, so I have a definite answer for this straight off the top of my head. Okay. Um, although with the asterisk, if you like horror movies. Okay. Uh, oh, my cat's just decided to join us. Nice. I have a new guest. Yeah, I don't know if you heard that, but... Uh... I did, yeah. Anyway, um, so there is a Spanish film called Wreck. Um, REC, as in recording, like camera recording. Right. And it got remade in the US as a film called Quarantine. Um, And I would say, having seen both, do not watch Quarantine. Okay. Watch Wreck, because it's um, the main thing that they did with Quarantine is they heavily changed the ending. Uh, Kind of changes the whole point of the film. And then also... When they did the sequel Wreck 2, which is amazing, the American company that did Quarantine then wanted to make Quarantine 2, but because they had changed the ending, nothing that happens in Wreck 2 would have made sense. So they mm. made up a new sequel that is terrible. Uh, okay. About like zombies in an airport, and it's really bad. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, the original Wreck okay. is. Uh, as someone who who loves a good horror film, right. uh, it's just one of the most intense horror films that I've seen. Okay. Because um, it's a found footage horror movie, and it's probably the only good found footage horror movie. Right. Um, so do you know uh, what I mean by that? When uh, it's like, like Blair Witch Project, yeah, that kind of thing. That, that kind of you know, yeah. The, everything that you're seeing is supposedly filmed by the characters. Right. Um, Okay. So it's just with a really simple premise, which is just uh, there's a woman who's a TV presenter and her cameraman, and they're like filming some kind of local TV news documentary about the local fire station. Mm-hmm. And then as they're following this, this fire crew around, they get called to a big like townhouse building with multiple apartments in it. Um, they arrive at the house. They get told that, you know, there was an old lady in one of her in one of the apartments and she was screaming and people were concerned so they called the police and the fire brigade and then as they get there the house then just gets sealed from the outside 
Mm. And suddenly there's like thousands of armed police all around saying, everyone stay inside the building. You're right. being quarantined for your own safety. Just stay inside. And then it turns out there's a zombie outbreak in the house. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and so it's just these people trapped in this house. Right. While they kind of slowly one by one get turned into zombies. And it gets, like I said, really intense. Huh. Uh, and without giving anything away, because you shouldn't have it spoiled. Right. Um, the ending takes it to a whole nother level. Okay. Like oh. this kind of idea of like, well, you thought it was just a zombie outbreak, but right. also there's this. It turns into a Marvel movie at the end. Huh? <laughs> yeah. Is that what happens? Yeah. 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 Um, uh, yeah Captain Marvel shows up and right. just blasts zombies. <laughs> Iron Man just starts flying around and kills. Yeah. 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 Well done. Um, I like that. Yeah, it's, it's really good. And then Wreck 2, the sequel is kind of like the aliens to Rex okay. aliens. You know how the first alien movie is kind of dark horror, right. really kind of messed up haunted house in space kind of thing. Right. And then aliens comes along and goes, what if we took that and we turned it into a crazy action movie? <laughs> exactly. And so it's, it's literally that, like the second movie starts almost immediately after the first mm. movie. Okay. Now they send the Marines in. <laughs> sure yeah yeah <laughs> change everything yeah. yeah well with halloween coming up in the next couple of days i don't know how big that is in the uk but halloween in the u.s is a pretty big holiday so that yeah, might be a good time to watch wreck i guess it's getting bigger in the uk it's not as huge as it is in the u.s but um, right uh i mean i'm definitely a big fan of halloween and, cool you know watching scary movies so yes uh i would recommend that everyone watch the spanish horror movie wreck all right you gotta sure. watch it with subtitles do it properly yes that's the only way to do it <laughs> nice well that was the last question but i always end uh with this question if you could ask a stranger anything in the world nothing was too superficial or deep uh, what would you ask and what would you want to know about somebody um so i feel like oh, sorry my cat just jumped because there's a lot of noise happening oh, yeah. from the apartment above us right now um yeah, so I feel like I'm. my answer is just kind of on a general level. I just want to know what people are thinking. Right. Just I'm endlessly fascinated by the idea that any single person around me at any time could be thinking anything. Like, right. I, and, and, you know, especially now in, in the age of the internet and social media, and, you know, fake news and blah, 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 and all of this kind of stuff. Mm. Um, just more and more, I, I, I see people say things and I see people believing in certain things. And I just, I just want to know why, you know? I just want to get inside the head and like, why do you believe this? Mm -hmm. uh, and not even in a sort of angry, judgmental way. I think this is the, the problem that I feel someone who goes and asks Reddit a lot, like me, mm -hmm. I feel like, you will understand what I'm saying. Oftentimes the problem is people get very immediately defensive mm -hmm. and assume that you're attacking them. Um, where for me, it is just genuinely like, you know, uh, without getting too political, let's mm -hmm. just say the question, but why did you vote for that person? Sure. You know, I'm not, yeah. I'm not angry at you. I don't want to yell at you about it. I yeah. just want you to make me understand why you mm. did that, you know, and why you mm. believe that, why you think this thing. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Sometimes it leads to, to some pretty big arguments because people sure. don't want to talk about that, but that's, yeah, that's it for me. Like I've, I've always loved also just having conversations with, you know, believers in conspiracy theories and things. Right. A lot of time when I was a teenager looking up a lot of that kind of stuff online, just because I was so fascinated by like, what is the mental process that you go through mm -hmm. to sort of get to that point where you believe that thing that, you know, to me is an insane thing to believe. Right. right. But somehow you with a brain that is capable of all the same things my brain is capable of, you've come to completely the opposite conclusion. Right. Right. I just need to know what your process is to get there, you know? Yes. That's man. That is a great question. I think there's a really <laughs> good podcast called you are not so smart. And it's all about oh, yeah. like the the heuristics the brain uses and cognitive biases and you know little tricks and stuff like that of how we how we kind of come to that. And I remember Dave McCraney, the host, had like an episode on the masks debate or you know vaccines, yeah. obviously over COVID and 
why there's certain camps and that whole thing. So I don't know. Mm -hmm. It's a interesting look on some of the psychology behind why people believe strange things and how that actually works. But like you said, it's amazing that with the same brains, fundamental structures, we can come to, you know, diametrically opposed conclusions about the nature of reality and all that. Yeah. And, it, and the problem with that is sometimes that just goes back to your first question. Sometimes that makes me question like, mm. well, if all these people are saying this thing and I believe the opposite, yeah. like I, I think that they're crazy, but they equally think that I'm just as crazy. So how do I know? Mm -hmm. How do I prove to myself that I'm not the crazy one? Right. Yeah, it's exactly. A question. I don't know how to answer it. Yeah, I think it comes down to how much people prioritize truth in their life. Yeah. If that makes sense. Like, I feel like a lot of times tribe is more important than truth. So like belonging to a group is more important than actually knowing what's objectively true or not true, if that makes any sense. And maybe it's yeah. becoming less and less. Um, we're seeing that people value truth less and less as time goes on, which is sad, but um, it, it might have something to do with that as well. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I think anything else anything else you want to mention before we kind of close out here Chris um no I don't I think uh yeah I think we've we've gone over it all pretty thoroughly yeah this is the longest one I think I've ever done it was a three-parter due to technical difficulties but um I'll try to get it edited and, and uploaded eventually here so thank you Chris for uh, the interview and for taking the oh. time to talk to me today thank you I mean oh. I if I can just throw in as well I, yeah I've always been the kind of person that um, if someone starts talking to me at a bus stop or something, mm. I will usually just engage in conversation because, right. as I said, I'm so fascinated by how other people think and how they come to the conclusions they do. Right. So, yeah, thank you for giving me the opportunity to just talk to a complete random stranger from yeah. California about yeah. nothing really in particular, but just to kind of get to know you sure. a bit. Yeah. Absolutely. Really awesome. Awesome. And to everybody out there listening, I thank you for your support. This is Tyler telling you to go talk to a stranger. Peace.